Good evening, everyone. Powerful time, eh? Powerful time. And I think, you know, in, in evenings like this, um, I, I just feel like it's almost like, oh, should we, should we dive into the scriptures because we've already just been engrossed, you know, in, in his prophetic promises and his word through the song and, and declaration. But I just um, feel like there's still some really key things for us to to draw on and to unpack um, tonight in this the scripture that we're going to look at. So if you've got your Bibles, you can turn to um, Ezekiel chapter 44. Ezekiel chapter 44. Um, we're taking a, a journey into the, uh, into the Old Testament this evening. Um, so Ezekiel 44, we're going to start at verse 9. And over the last few weeks, we've been looking at this theme of priestliness or the priesthood. Um, and like we've been saying, you know, it can be so easy when you hear the word priest to have preconceived ideas in your mind of someone with a dog collar or someone that performs a religious function. Um, but yet the Bible describes priests, yes, in, in some senses that they had roles, particular roles to perform, um, but really the Priests were, were people who were set apart to God. And I feel like there's some really powerful um, you know, typologies and pictures in this particular passage that highlight what God's purpose is for all of us. Um, the priests, according to this new order, this order of Melchizedek, um, that we as the church are to be a part of. Um, so we're just going to read through most of this chapter um, and then rip some key key passages apart. Cool? All right, starting at verse 9. Thus says the Lord God, No foreigner uncircumcised in heart and uncircumcised in flesh of all the foreigners who are among the sons of Israel shall enter my sanctuary. But the Levites who went far from me when Israel went astray, who went astray from me after their idols, shall bear the punishment for their iniquity. Yet they shall be ministers in my sanctuary, having oversight at the gates of the house and ministering in the house. They shall slaughter the burnt offering and the sacrifice for the people, and they shall stand before them to minister to them. Because they ministered to them before their idols and became a stumbling block of iniquity to the house of Israel, therefore I have sworn against them, declares the Lord, that they shall bear the punishment for their iniquity, and they shall not come near to me to serve as a priest to me, nor come near to any of my holy things, to the things that are most holy, but they will bear their shame and their abominations which they have committed. Yet I will appoint them to keep charge of the house and and all of its service, and all that shall be done in it. Bit intense, eh? All right, we got through that part. Now listen to this. Verse 15. But the Levitical priests, priests, the sons of Zadok, who kept charge of my sanctuary when the sons of Israel went astray from me, shall come near to me to minister to me, and they shall stand before me to offer me the fat and the blood, declares the Lord God. They shall enter my sanctuary... They shall come near to my table to minister to me and to keep my charge. It shall be that when they enter at the gates of the inner court, they shall be clothed with linen garments and wool shall, be, uh, shall not be on them while they are ministering in the gates of the inner court and in the house. 
Linen turban shall be on their head, and linen undergarment shall be on their loins, and they shall not gird themselves with anything which makes them sweat. When they go out into the outer court, into the outer court, uh, into the outer court to the people, they shall put off their garments in which they have been ministering, and lay them in the holy chambers. Then they shall put on other garments, so that they will not transmit holiness to the people with their garments. Also, they shall not shave their heads; yet they shall uh, yet they shall not let their locks grow long. They shall only trim the hair of their heads. Yeah, Greg's got a bit of a head start. Um, nor shall I'm disqualified. <laughs> nor shall any of the priests drink wine when they enter the inner court. And they shall not marry a widow or a divorced woman, but shall take virgins from the offspring of the house of Israel, or a widow who is the widow of a priest. Moreover, they shall teach my people the difference between the holy and the profane, and cause them to discern between the unclean and the clean. In a dispute they shall take their stand to, the ju- uh, to judge, and they shall judge according to my ordinances." They shall also keep my laws and my statutes and all my appointed feasts and sanctify my Sabbaths. Thou shalt not go to a dead person to defile themselves. However, for a father, for a mother, for son, for daughter, for brother, or for a sister who has not had a husband, they may defile themselves. After he is cleansed, seven days shall elapse from him. On that day that he goes into the sanctuary, into the inner court to minister in the sanctuary, he shall offer his sin offering, declares the Lord. And it shall be with regard to an inheritance for them that I am their inheritance. And you shall give them no possession in Israel. I am their possession. They shall eat the grain, the sin offering, the guilt offering, and every devoted thing in Israel shall be theirs. The first of the first fruits and every kind and every contribution of every kind from all your contributions shall be for the priests. You shall give them to the priest the first of your dough to cause a blessing to rest on your house. The priest shall not enter, uh, shall not eat any bird or beast that has died a natural death or has been torn to pieces. Well, there you have it. <laughs> Ezekiel chapter 44, we got there. Um, and so... There's a lot going on in this passage, hey, a lot of like bits and pieces. It's the sort of passage that if, you're, if you weren't you know, falling asleep after the music, you may be now, <laughs> unless you were hearing the dynamic typologies that are littered throughout this, this powerful little passage. Um, and here we, we have um, this distinction starting at the, the beginning of verse 44 where um, where, where God is talking about two particular kinds of priests, you know, and he starts off by talking about the, these, these particular priests, and I won't go into all the context, but there's a group of priests that when Israel went astray, the priests went astray with them. But, God's, but God is saying, hey, actually, they're still priests, but because they've chosen to make as their first priority the people and not me, Unfortunately, these priests in this particular temple are going to minister in the outer courts. Because they prioritize man over God, God was still going to be faithful because his gifts and callings are irrevocable. He said these are are priests, and they always will be, but they're going to be priests who minister to the people who who their heart was tied up in. They're going to be priests ministering in the outer courts, um, ministering not 
to me face to face, but to the people. And then he goes, goes on in verse 15 and 16 to describe, but hold on a second. There's this group called the sons of Zadok who have kept my charge that when all of the nation of Israel, including a lot of their priests, went away, these people kept my charge. They were the people who stayed devoted to me and made me and ministering to me face to face their greatest priority. Above and beyond what the people needed, they set themselves apart and ministered to me face to face. Um, And so it would be awesome for our... Um, our, our guys this evening, the Three Musketeers, to unpack a little bit. What was it about these sons of Zadok? What, what was it that they um, lived in and from that meant that they had the opportunity to, min- to be ministers to God face to face? So I thought we'd start from verse 15 and just make our way down. I'll just read that again, um, and then we'll, we'll go to um, these other guys. So verse 15. But the Levitical priests, the sons of Zadok, who kept, my char- who kept charge of my sanctuary when the sons of Israel went astray from me, shall come near to minister to me, and they shall stand before me to offer the fat and the blood, declares the Lord. They shall enter my sanctuary, and they shall come near to my table to minister to me and keep my charge. Luke, I don't know if you want to kick us off with, uh, with that verse. Yeah, um... I love reading this this whole passage, and, and like you um, said just before, Sam, about the it's interesting seeing the difference between um, the priests and you know they, these are Levites. They're a chosen people, a chosen um, chosen as priests to minister to God Himself in the in the holy place, and He was to be their inheritance. Um, and yet, there's a there's a group of them that they almost. It's evident they hadn't lost their lives for, for his sake because they had chosen to, to draw away from him and to go after their, their idols. Um, and yet, like you were saying, Sam, his faithfulness in that, yet they shall be ministers in my sanctuary. They weren't disqualified or, or cut off, but they'd, they'd missed out on the fullness of what God had intended for them as, as his priests. They, they were now in the outer courts as opposed to in the inner sanctuary, which is where they're always called, called to live from. Um, and as I was praying about this throughout the week um, and just, just listening, he said, I never intended for my people to live in the outer courts. My heart from the beginning was that they dwell in and from the holy place, my very presence. Um, and that's what, you know, the, the sons of Zadok, that, that's who they are, that's who they represent. And, and this isn't just a, a cool story about, um, you know, some guys from back in the day. This is a picture for the body of Christ and her eternal reward, you know. Um, yeah. I think that's massive, eh? Because they were all priests, but there was actually a priesthood within the priesthood, eh? You know, and and to me, like you're, like you're saying, it was always God's heart for this priestliness was never supposed to be a, a list of ordinances and rules. You know, it was always supposed to be a heartbeat that saw and ministered to God first, you know? And like you're saying, that was, that was always his intention for, for us, hey? But there was, you know, but, but within that, you know, to me it's like many are called, they were all called as priests, but there were few who actually entered into true priestliness, you know? Um, and, and, and saw something in him that was, that was a, more precious and important than the, than their reputation in front of the people. Hey, you know, 
So, what about for you, Greg? Any key things? I just think we can see God's will will be done. So even though man might get in the way of certain things and don't fulfil certain things, his will will be done. He will have what he's intended because it's the fulfilment of his story. So then it just comes back about whether we are in alignment to that because he's going to love all, but that doesn't mean because he loves all, all love him and all actually do it his way. And so you see this tension, isn't it? Um, And yet... You know, we're under a new covenant, an eternal realm, and yet you can still see these massive, like you say, these massive typologies between, you know, the reality of now this new covenant is in place, the way has been made, there's a way has been made that all can enter while at the same time all don't enter because all don't necessarily pursue the fullness of this life in Christ because we're given a choice. And, you know, it's, it's why faith is so important as we looked at because if you can't see it, you can't live for it. You will live in accordance to what you're seeing. And so if you're taking your leading from what's earthly, that's where you'll be found, in the earth, of the earth. And, um, you know, the Levites were... And yet we're supposed to be found in Christ, seeing in Christ, because it's an eternal reality. So the the death and resurrection of Jesus opened up a realm that the church is to live from and see. So then every one of us are these priests, this royal priesthood that Peter speaks of. So not one of us isn't to be it. You know, and yet so often in the body of Christ we talk ourselves out of oh that's for those guys, but that's not for me. You know, no, that's for them, not me. It's those professional people or those gifted people or you don't know the life I had, you had it easy, I've had it tough, and that may be the case, but once again that's not to hold us because there's a way that's been open. And so just like these guys it can be the, the church today, who don't actually realise what is on offer because we can't hear it, we can't see it. And so we live in accordance to what we think. And once again, like you talked about, that can be people ahead of God. And so we're actually putting man ahead of God, not God first. And it can look right because you can be doing it on behalf of God. But actually it's still really in you. And so there's, I just see massive tensions with all this and at the same time simplicity if you can see it, you know, because there's patterns. God works off patterns. And, you know, um, it's like the old is a mirror of the new, and the new mirrors the old. And so there's this beautiful, it's one book. You know, some people write off the old, oh, it's irrelevant now. Uh-uh. Jesus drew a lot of his words from the old. He's speaking from a written, predestined place living from it. So it's one story. And yet in a different time frame. And we talked about that this morning. eh? We live in a different time allocation. But actually everyone that's gone before us is our brothers and sisters. So what they were um, walking through was different physically, but spiritually exactly the same thing. That's right. You know, it talks, uh, uh, you know, uh, I think it's Paul that says, you know, these... 
you know, the, this has all been written for our instruction, you know, you know, particularly the types and the shadows and the Israelites in the Old Testament is, you know, um, is it written for our instruction in whom the ends of the earth have, have come, you know, so it's saying uh, like all of, all of this typology and shadow, this, this you know, um, Old Testament priesthood and every other picture that you see throughout the Old Testament ultimately points towards a, a reality that's in the spirit that that when we that when we you know come across pictures like this we learn from the mistakes of other people because of who we're called to be you know and so in in, in hearing and and receiving what it was that God is saying through this picture we're empowered to actually live from his heartbeat of what true priestliness is now you know um, this this new order of Melchizedek hey? which is just as you were speaking just reading this here you know it says that um, you know but the Levitical priests the sons of Zadok who kept charge of my sanctuary when the sons of Israel went astray from me. So sons of Israel, they went astray, which means you can go astray. Shall come near to me to minister to me, and they shall stand before me to offer me the fat and the blood. And, you know, those are inner, inner realities. And, and yet within us, you know, we can think we worship because we do for God, but we actually don't give him our inner so it says, you know, in view of my mercy, offer your body as a living sacrifice. The inner's the heart. He says, you honor me with your words, which come from your mind, but you actually remove your heart. You remove the inner from me to get my hands on it. And so what you do is you worship me through works. So you go, I'm going to do for you, okay, and that's going to be my, my honor. That's going to be my worship. But actually, now that's not true worship. True worship comes at the giving of one's heart, the inner, this inner realm. And we can see that as a type as well. They would, you know, take the flesh and that would have to be burned outside the camp. So it's taken outside of the holy place and burnt outside. We honor the flesh. We say, look what I'm doing for you. And he's going, well, until that's been defined by the inward, that's just works. That's flesh works that need to be burnt up outside the camp. So they will be burnt up at some point at a judgment seat. And see, so it's so essential that we are inward priests, that we worship and minister and love from the heart, and we allow God here, not just keep that closed over and deny him that, but do things for him. And that's Martha, see? Martha gets picked on a lot, but it's not so much Martha, it's the operating system of Martha that you need to see. So she's like... You know, distracted, and yet sort of paints this picture. Are you not going to tell Mary to come and help me serve you? I'm serving you. I'm making dinner, whatever she's doing, for him. See, because it could get painted up as, and that, that was the Levitical painted up as, but it's the wrong thing. God's like, um, you can do as much as you want of that, but that's not of me. It looks like it is, but I'm telling you, it ain't. And I think, like you're saying, all everything that was of value was burnt on the the outside of the camp, things that were of value to man, hey, you know? And I think, once again, that it's, it's all shadows and typologies, hey, you know, of the things that are exalted, you know, effort, strength, ability, gifting, you know, it's, it's all of those natural things which aren't wrong, but they're just not the offering that he was looking for, hey, you know? And yet the things that were of little value 
were offered by these priests, but actually they were things that were of value to him, you know? When, when in a job interview do you say, hey, I'm, I'm here to bring humility, patience, <laughs> gentleness, and good, you've got the job, you know? But it, so, it sounds so bizarre, but, but yet those are the, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the inner person that, he's, that God is looking for, the hidden person of the heart, First, that's that's right, you know, and but but when you minister, for, you know, when when you offer that, you will offer more, and you will offer more in your works, having offered your heart, than you ever would if you just tried to offer your works, you know. And I think to me, it's like it comes back to the I think the verse you might have shared this morning, and it says um, um, that young men will grow weary and tired, but those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength and will soar or mount up on wings like eagles. You know, they, it's, it's from this inner place that you find a new strength that you're actually able to, act, to, to, to minister from a new life and you're more active than you ever would have been, you know. And so, you're not sweating. And that's that reference. I'm not sure that's that reference there. Is that the, the thing is when, you, when you're doing a work from him, you're not exerting your strength. So once again, there's these types. He's showing us all this is that they, they weren't to sweat because it's not a work done. Sweating is a physical sign of you exerting your strength. So when you're in Christ, living from Christ and in rest, all the works that you do, you do not strive and you do not sweat. And that's what the Zadox had, see? And that's the beauty. So there are works to be done, the righteous acts of the saints. It's the demonstration of the people of God. Wisdom, which is Jesus Christ, is demonstration. Yeah. So wisdom is made right by her children. So if you're a child of wisdom, then you live the right way. Yeah. Okay. So this inner world is being changed. So when you come to demonstrate love, when you love, when you do, you're not exerting any of your strength. So there's no stress, there's no worry, there's no anxiety, there's no sweat because it's his work being done in you and it's his work that you're doing. You're not the one trying to do it. It's him in you. That makes sense? So when I go to Cambodia, I go in absolute rest. So I'm not sweating, worried, anxious. I'm just having a good time. And I'm enjoying my time with Father. I'm enjoying my time with the people. I'm enjoying my time with the people who go. And it's all done from rest. It's beautiful, you know, because I'm not going there sweating and me, oh my goodness, how am I? So everything is done. And that's the typology here from this place of rest. And when you work from rest, there's no sweat. It's not my strength. And I think you have to hear the spiritual typology here. It's a. You know, don't hear, don't put deodorant on because you, you know, like it's, it's not, you know, this, it, it's, it's, it's a spiritual, it's a spiritual dimension that, that is what, is what Greg is saying, you know, because otherwise no one would ever sleep, no one would, you know, like that's, that's not what's going on. We're talking about a, a spiritual rest that gives you a divine capacity to live in him and from him, you know, and so I, it, and I, th- I feel like that's that's so so massive, eh? You know that um, to to be able to 
everything was was set up so that they didn't have to exert any human effort to be able to to minister to him. And actually, you know, Jesus says, you know, like my my food is to do the will of him who sent me. He's actually fed by exerting his you know, he's He's fed by the things that the Father has for him to do. It, it doesn't take from him, it adds to him, you know, because of this life source that he lives in and from, you know. But it's just why it's so important that God is number one, you see, because it's out of God you minister to people. You take God out of the equation, you're ministering to people out of you. Okay, So it has to be God. So it's like... God is rest, God is love, God is power. So where they went wrong is that they were ministering to the people apart from him, which never works. So then you end up ministering out of you what you think you should be doing, the way in which you think it should be done. And that's where you exert you. He, you're serving but out of your strength. So he has to be number one because he has to. It's like spiritual fellowship, oneness. I will never be one with you if I'm not one with him. If you're not one with him, we won't be one. It's just a fantasy. Okay? And we create this thing called conformity. So really we're conforming. We're not one with each other. And so the, it's the same here. Is that How on earth am I going to minister as a priest as the Lord would if I'm not in the Lord? So if my number one isn't God, if I'm not going to God to get what I need to minister to you, I'm going to minister out of me. And that's what this Levitical liner did. But the Zadoks, they were actually, they, they got it. Okay? It's God first. You know, it's God first. It's actually the very thing we can't do. We need God to actually bring us into God. And then we can minister from God when we're in God. So you can't get away with this oneness. It's all one, see, and it's all in the spirit. Yeah. So I don't really stuff on the sweating thing. But when you said that, I was thinking about when, you know, before Jesus was getting ready to go to the cross and he sweated blood and <clears throat> he was constantly in communion with the Father, but in his physical body, he was exhibiting some pretty massive stuff that was about to take place. And you know, sometimes when you, um, like, you may sense a, a spiritual burden or a something going on in the heavenly realm that within your spirit you think something's going on, and so there does need to be an exchange where you then you know, exchange what you're sensing to give to him and he gives rest. But do you feel like within that, within this flesh suit that we are in and that Jesus walked on the earth with, do you think that sometimes there is a, a demonstration, or not, not necessarily a demonstration, but a, I don't know, like um, a side effect or... I don't know, something that shows in the physical body when there is a level of something that you are pushing through that is of the spirit, but your physical body is experiencing it. Do you understand what I mean? I was going to say yes, I, I do think 
different, definitely, you know, and I think that's why it's so important that the rest is not a physical rest, it's a, it's a spiritual substance that you live from, you know, and I think there's times where, you know, Jesus, at, I think it's with the woman at the well, you know, he sits down and he's tired from a day's journey, you know, or he sweats drops of blood, you know, or in Cambodia when I come to get Greg for dinner and, you know, and he's not there and I text him and I call him, knock on his door, he's not there, okay, we're going to have to go to dinner after he's preached for three hours and he's physically exhausted and he's, con- and he's conked out on the bed. So I don't know if I should have told that. Um, not sweating, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but to me, it's like what what's not what we're not saying is that there's no physical tiredness or any human kind of emotion. It's just the source of of life is not like when you talk about pressing through something. You're not trying to overcome it with the flesh. You know, to me, the difference would be like you're you're deeply anxious about something and you're trying to counter it by declaring all of these things that you think could possibly be God because you've heard them in the Bible and you've heard others pray and really it's just a mask for the fact that in you, you, you don't know him. And, you, you know, do you know what I mean? To me, that's, that's, of, that's of the flesh. And yet, what's, you know, when it actually genuinely is of the spirit, your inner realm is is confident and at rest, even though there might be a physical thing that you're going through. Um, th- does that make sense? You know? That's my personal opinion. I don't know if others have thoughts. Yeah, I, I, yeah I, look, I think there's massive tension with it all as well as, as, as that moment when he's in there. You know, I just find it fascinating that that was going on and yet when he actually got crucified, he wasn't like that. Do you know? It was before. And, um, but that death and what he knows is obviously opens up this realm, but it is. It's, it's like when we, we it, what we're talking about is when we're trying. Okay, so he's not trying. He's completely in rest and he's grappling with the reality um, in his humanity because okay, he was fully man, fully God. Um, but that's not what we're talking about when we talk about not sweating. We're talking about when we are trying to do. Okay, so it's like, my goodness, you know, I've done all this. I turn up every week and I do and I do and no one appreciates what I do. No one gives me a thank you and I, 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 I. Okay? And so, or I'm trying to get the lost saved. And so I'm exerting all this time, energy and resource into, if I just say it this way, if I just say it that way, certainly that's going to be the thing that flicks the switch. Certainly if I do this, if I do that. And so it's me. And so that's what we're really trying to say. It's I exerting strength, it's my strength, trying to get Kristen saved. I'm trying to get Kristen to understand what I'm talking about. And why isn't she getting it? That's what I'm talking about. Not what he was going through, which is just um, a physical manifestation of the enormity of what he was going through, all from rest. So he was living his entire life from rest. Hence, come to me, I give you rest. But he's still showing us his humanity in that moment. And that gives me so much hope. The fact that Jesus was fully God, fully man. He was the son of man on earth. And then he became, he was the son of God before and after, but the son of man. So there's, he's my brother and, he's rela- and so I can go, wow. 
but I can go through that from having the power that was in him and me, and I'm not trying like he wasn't trying. Does that help? So it's quite a different um, reality to what we're trying to say. You know, we think we can build the church. We think we can build the kingdom. We're going to change the world. We're going to. That's all our strength. Trying to enforce that. It doesn't work. In fact, it has the opposite. You know, um, man builds in vain. But he can do a whole lot of work trying. And then he, and then he honours his sweat. Look what I've done. Look what I've built. My toil, my hands. God's like, that's just fleshly work that's all getting burnt up. But Lord, Lord, I. Yeah, that's your problem right there. I. <laughs> Great question. Just mindful of time. Do we have any other, que- any other questions? Or comments even? Our comments tonight? Yeah, I was, just, I was thinking that it's interesting that the two um, t- types of priests here, like the the, um, the Levites and the sons of Zadok, each of them received pretty much what they what they sowed. Like they, um, the outcome for for the priests was that um, I will make them keep charge of the temple for its work and for all that has to be done in it. They receive like this the, the, a functional role basically that they're doing things and um, whereas the sons of Zadok they received what what they said which was like a heart ministering towards God um, yeah that's just a thought I think just don't hear there aren't works to be done okay there absolutely are it's just where they come from and how they're done Jesus did heaps of works. Heaps of works to destroy the work of who? The devil. So he came. So there are works to be done. There's a work to be done in you, and there's a work to be done through you. Okay? And there are, what I would say is, there are corporate works, meaning there are body works, and there are individual works. And they're all from having fellowship with God. Okay, so this is why we must be in fellowship. We must be in spiritual oneness. Otherwise, the works that you do will come from outside fellowship. So they're what you think you should be doing, but they're not empowered by God. They may not be even inspired by God. So this is what we're talking about. It's you doing what you think in your own strength. So when you're in fellowship and you're growing in fellowship, oneness, he starts to open up because every work should be done by what? Don't give the answer. Faith. Well, how do you get faith if you're not in fellowship? Because faith comes from being in fellowship. As I'm one with God, he opens up the realm for me to see. See, faith. Right. So I want you to build an ark, Greg. And I, you can't build an ark unless I show you. But you can run away and try to do something else. Okay. So he had a, Noah build an ark. And it, by faith, he built the ark because he was in fellowship with God. But there's fruitfulness that needs to be born first. Okay, so there's a work within us of fruitfulness. So God wants to build, He wants to do a work. His word does a work in us. Okay, so you go like this fellowship, 
faith, fruitfulness, we haven't even started talking about a physical work. This is where Jesus lived his life from. Man starts at function straight away. God doesn't. He starts at fellowship with me. Be one with me. I pray you'd be one. So by the time you get to number four, function, the work comes from fellowship. Well, then it's not in your strength. It's in his strength because you've become one with him. It's a work that he has called you to do, not what you think to do. Before that, he's forming himself within you. So when you go to do the work, love's in you. So maybe the first work could be to love people like I love them. And you can. Why? Because you're in fellowship, because fruitfulness is being formed in you. But if you go before that, hence Peter, hey, Peter, love these guys. Let me give you a brand new command tonight, Peter. Love these men as I love them. What did Peter say? Why can't I get on function with you? Where are you going? I'm not interested in loving them. I just want to go where you went. Well, you can't go where I go because you don't yet have me in you. So when you turn up thinking you can, you're going to fall over. Did that happen? Yes. Why? Because he was preoccupied with functional works out of his own strength. And when he came, it was for face with it. I can die with you. He couldn't because he wasn't in fellowship. So you see the pattern of heaven. And so when you go um, fellowship, faith, fruitfulness, function, it produces a right act. The wedding garment is the righteous acts of the saints. So the demonstration is a life of righteousness, the right act. I've made you right in fellowship. I'm going to, through fellowship, oneness with you, I'm going to show you the eternal life kingdom, faith. Then you're going to live by faith. So every work that's hidden for you to do, which is eternal works, okay, I'm going to do a work in you, and then this work's going to come through you. So here's your first functional command. Love me with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. You now can. Why? Because you're not loving everybody else or yourself. Second command, love one another as I have loved you. And you can. So it's tick, tick. And we're not ticking boxes, but we're going, look at that. Wisdom is vindicated by her son. Because the son is a child of wisdom, Jesus Christ. Because I'm one with Jesus Christ. I'm in fellowship. So he's opening up. He does the work in me. I actually now can love Sandra like Jesus would love her. To the measure I'm in fellowship, oneness. So that's why fellowship is continually growing through eating the word of God. The more I'm in fellowship, the more love is being produced in me, fruitfulness. Okay, I'm abiding in fellowship. Well, it says much fruit is being produced so I can love much. So if Sandra's behavior, we have a disagreement, I can love if she's anti-me. So that's where the first work starts, but none of that is done through my strength. But we try if we're not in that. See, so we've got to let go of function to actually lay hold of function. And we don't like that if all you know is function. See, if you're getting your identity, purpose, and sense of meaning through what you do for him, through gifting, and all that, you don't know who you are. And so if he takes work off you, or you can't, 
If I'm in a car accident tonight and I'm crippled and I can't work for him and that's where my identity, purpose, sense of meaning is in what I do, I'm in trouble, aren't I? But if I'm in fellowship with him because I'm a priest who's in fellowship first and faith, then it's okay because my life's not built on what I do. And that is massive in the body of Christ. Because most Christians, alone Christians, I've met, man, you touch their gift, you touch their calling, you touch their so-called ministry, all these things that we paint up as ours that aren't, they're his. You touch it and it's not anchored and wired through fellowship. Ooh, you see someone come out that you don't quite like, but you're called to love on it. Can you? Or do you respond like them? Because you're not in fellowship either. Because you're not yet a priest that's learnt what it is to be one with God. See the tension? And so there were all these priests that actually weren't really fulfilling what they should have and went astray. And there were these other priests that didn't. I'm not surprised there's division among you, for there needs to be for the approved to come out. 1 Corinthians 11.18 Paul said, I'm not surprised there's division in this church. There must be for those who are approved to show themselves, those who are the true, meaning those who are truly his, those who have laid their lives down. He loves both. So there's two groups, but there's only supposed to be one. And every one of us is challenged with the same thing. That's why the way is the same way. It's like, you know, we've got to lay it all down and allow this other source, this other strength to come in through surrender. And all of a sudden you find yourself actually being able to do what you've been asked to do. So there are works, but they are eternal works. And so we must be in the eternal life to do the eternal works. I cannot love you. I've said this, but I've got to keep saying it. We cannot love if we do not know love. You cannot keep the commandment. Okay? How do I inherit eternal life? Keep the commandment, the thing you can't do. Well, that's not much fun. No, that's right, because you need to die before you can. It's the way I've wired it. So then he ran away, didn't he? Because he wasn't interested in what he couldn't do. You've got to get passionate about what you can't do. <laughs> There's no room for the flesh in there. The flesh is not interested in what it cannot do. But you've got to get hungry for what you can't do. See? With all things possible with who? But with you. But what can you do? This is what's crazy, guys. What can you do with self still sitting on your throne? Prophesy. Raise the dead. Cast out demons. Preach his word. What can't you do with self sitting on the throne? Deny yourself and love. See why Peter's a prophetic picture along with these guys? Look what Peter did. He walked on water. Self was still sitting on the throne. He preached the gospel. He cast out demons. Yes, because he was given authority by Jesus, and Jesus never took the authority back of him. What did he profess he could do? What he couldn't do? Love and deny. He was stuck. And Jesus brought him to that place like he'll bring you to that place to show you your absolute need. 
But what we do is, because we can do those things, and they're attractive, and wow, I lay hands on sick people, and they're healed. And see, your flesh that's still living gets attached to that, and now you make that a ministry. Oh, look what we can do. Yeah, but actually you can't love. So you're an outer court priest because you can't yet love God because you still love yourself. And he has to show you all this stuff. He, there's no other way until you, unless he shows you. And so what I mean is like the rich young ruler could not keep the commandments. I can't love God without God because I'm still sitting on my throne. But with a gifting and a calling, I can do some things in authority. Why would I want to do that when I can do that? Because this is going to keep me out of something that, you know, this thing will keep me out of something that this won't. Do you love me with all your heart, Greg? Do you love people as I love them? Or do you just want to do works because you can? Your choice. What I'm looking for are priests who love me with all their heart, soul, mind, strength, who love people as I love them, and from that place live. So you have a choice as to whether you want to be an inner priest or an outer priest. The choice is yours. He has made the way. But it requires a pursuit and an appetite for something that you may not have for because it means loss. And when you've built a ministry for 30 years with sweat, toil, and hard labor, and someone comes along and says, that's good, but can you do this yet? Can you keep the first command? Mm. That might be an issue at the judgment seat. Father, I thank you for your version of you. I thank you that you're giving us the opportunity to know your version of you. You're opening up. You've made a way for us to hear and see the fulfillment of your purpose from time began. I thank you that you have placed us all here in this element, in this aspect, in this time of history, to know your plans, to know your purposes, and how we all fit into that. Lord, your word says that true worshippers worship in spirit and truth. God, I pray we would have a revelation of what that is, a true revelation of what that is. If we cannot hear in the spirit, how can we worship? You're not meaning songs. You're meaning the ability to hear, as we looked at this morning, a word which is spirit that we would lay our lives down for. I pray, Lord, and I ask you, Holy Spirit, that there would be such a hunger and a thirst for the things that are prepared that we have no clue about. You've said you've prepared all things for those who love you. Those who are called and chosen, you have prepared things. Lord, 
help us if we lack a desperation to go after those things. I pray that we would get on our knees and cry out and that you would fill us with a delight and a desire to want to pursue that enables us to demonstrate heaven on earth. And it starts with love. Lord, you say if we don't have love, we have nothing. Doesn't matter if we move mountains, Lord, we have nothing. Doesn't matter if we let our lives burn. If we don't have you and us and are able to live like you, God, we've got nothing. As good as it may look, it's nothing. It's burnt up. Apprehend the body of Christ by this, Lord, today. So much human exertion going on. And so, Father, in my own life, I pray for more. In my own life, I pray you give me a greater desire than what you've given me for the eternal life and reality to be demonstrated. And for this church and the churches of the city and the nation and the nations, you're raising up a spotless, blameless people, a bride who will live like you, who will act like you, because she is of you and from you. She is your kind. And you produce and build your own kind. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.